Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org, or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The teaching and preaching in the Gospel of Matthew concerning the kingdom begins with repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is drawn near. To repent is to have a complete change of mind. After dealing with our mind, however, the kingdom then becomes a matter of our spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. And finally, blessed are the pure in heart. Ron Kangas has joined us today for another look into the kingdom of the heavens from the Gospel of Matthew. And Ron, if we're serious about the kingdom, eventually our whole being gets involved, doesn't it? That's right. The Lord's words indicate this. Repentance addresses our thinking. Then we need to be poor in spirit, able to receive a new thought and a new light from the Lord through his word, and then to be pure in heart. And even our physical body, all of our tripartite being, is involved. And the reason for this, very simply, is that the kingdom is a reality. It's not simply an outward realm of divine government or administration. It is that. And to be in the kingdom is to be under God's rule. That's for sure. But especially in this section of Matthew, we're touching the kingdom as an inward reality in life, something subjective, living, organic, personal, experiential in our being. And so our entire tripartite being should be and is affected by this matter of the kingdom. Well, Ron, today we want to look at what role the law plays in the constitution of the kingdom. In that context, we come across this phrase that uh, appears in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and that is uh, referring to the Old Testament, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Uh, These two terms, the law and the prophets, are very primary components of the old dispensation. Why are these often mentioned together? Uh, You're right, of course, that they are mentioned together. And for our present fellowship, we can really limit our comments and focus on the crucial matter that the law and the prophets actually constitute the essence of the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, The Lord himself used this expression, the law and the prophets. And significantly, according to Matthew 17, when the Lord was transfigured on the mountain— Moses and Elijah appeared, Moses obviously representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets. Peter, well-intentioned but misguided, proposed that they build three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, 
But God the Father interrupted him and said, This is my Son, in whom I have found my delight. Hear him. And then Moses and Elijah disappeared, and Jesus alone was with them. So what we see here with the Law and the Prophets, represented by Moses and Elijah, is a representation, in brief, of the entire Old Testament dispensation. Ron, today and for the next several programs, we're going to be looking at the law uh, as it appeared in the Old Testament and then its manifestation in the context of the constitution of the kingdom. The contrast or the comparison between these two, I think, has a lot of uh, enlightenment for all of us and certainly uh, many of our listeners, we pray. So let's join Witness Lee with this first portion, then we'll be back for some fellowship on this very crucial subject. After the first two sections, the section on the nature of the kingdom people and the section on the influence of the kingdom people, the Lord came to the matter of law. This is the constitution of the heavenly kingdom. The constitution must include or cover the matter of law. Before she came, or before the kingdom of the heavens came, there was the law with the singing of the prophet. As there was the law with the singing of the prophet, why there was still the need of the law of the kingdom of the heaven. Why? Because the demand of the old law was not high enough, complete. For instance, the law says, don't murder, don't kill people. But in all those Ten Commandments, nothing has been mentioned about our anger. I don't kill you, but I do have a fear anger toward you. And how about me? The law doesn't cover it. I don't kill you. As long as I don't kill you, the law of Moses can never condemn me. But I was mad with you. I did have anger toward you. And I would not speak one word to you. I don't kill you, but I was mad with you. So the law doesn't cover this. Here you can see the law falls short. With Moses' law, if you don't kill people, as long as you don't kill people, you may be mad with people. That's okay. But in the kingdom of the heavens, no. The demand of the kingdom of the heavens is much, much higher. So the kingdom of the heavens needs some higher law. In this chapter, the Lord Jesus said, it was said to the ancients that you shouldn't matter. But I say that you shouldn't be angry with your brother. You see, this law of the kingdom of the heaven is higher than that law of the old dispensation. Well, Ron, the law in the Old Testament was strengthened, we heard, by the prophets. But in the New Testament, here in Matthew, the Lord did much more than strengthen the law. He elevated it, as we're hearing. What does this mean, that the law was elevated? And maybe you could give us uh, some other examples of this elevation that illustrate the point. 
when the Lord elevated the law by saying, I say to you, and then complimenting it. He was, so to speak, uplifting the law to a much higher moral plane because, as we will see, uh, this uplifted law and the morality required by it is fulfilled by the highest life, the divine life. So the Lord did not simply add some items to the law. For example, with the commandment about murder, he went to another level, talking about your inner being, the content, your feeling of anger, that this is forbidden. So now we're in another dimension of reality, of inner reality, not merely outward behavior. And the kingdom of the heavens requires something much higher than the Old Testament law. So in order to have a living in the reality of the kingdom, we must have an elevated law that brings our being to another level of spiritual existence. This, I think, is the thought. But in brief, there is the highest kingdom, and it has the highest requirements, so there must be a law on the highest plane. And a common example concerns adultery, that Moses simply said not to commit adultery, referring, obviously, to the act. But the Lord's elevation of the law addressed the heart, one's inner being, one's inward situation, not just what one is in behavior, but what one is inwardly, in motive, in thought, in feeling. So these are some examples of how God is interested in the highest kind of morality as the expression of the highest life. And the law related to this highest morality is not only related to outward things, but to our inner being. So the Lord, knowing the reality of the kingdom, actually being the reality of the kingdom, knowing God's desire concerning the kingdom, elevated the law to the level of the reality of the kingdom of the heavens. Ron, I have a notion here. I have a thought I want to ask you about. We only have just about a minute to devote to this, but just what you're describing here, all mankind have been incapable of keeping the basic Ten Commandments, and yet now here we're faced with the demand of the kingdom so far higher, as you've just described, particularly using this very, very vivid example regarding adultery and lust. So what about the notion that I believe is held by many believers that now since the the standard is so much higher in a sense that that somewhat uh, discharges us from any responsibility toward the law since we are obviously so incapable of meeting that kind of standard? This is a speaking, frankly, in ignorance and in darkness. It's the excuse, I cannot do it, therefore I don't have to do it. Actually, the principle is the same with the law in Exodus and the law in Matthew in this sense. And I'm remembering some precious fellowship in the life study of Exodus. God had no intention that his people, Israel, keep the law. He knew they couldn't do it. What they should have said, Lord, this is your law. Uh, We say, amen, we agree with it, but we cannot do it. We need you to live in us. Now, 
we have the higher law of the kingdom of the heavens. If we say this is impossible, we can't do it, no human being can do it, this is not realistic, this shows that we don't understand God's intention. He does not expect us in our natural human life, much less in our fallen life, to be able to fulfill this. What he wants us to do is first to agree with him. We dare not avoid this. We have to say, Lord, I agree with your word. I should be this way. I should live this way. But Lord, I cannot do it. If we will confess this, then the Lord in his shepherding through the word will help us to realize you have the divine life in you as my brothers. You've been born of God. You have the life of God. And the divine life can do in you what your human life could never do. So if you will agree with these commandments, and if you will agree with God that they should be done, and if you will confess that you cannot do it, then the divine life, which is actually myself in you, will do it in you, through you, and for you. This is the divine thought here, and blessed are we if we receive it and understand it. Well, I realize we took a little extra time, but I just felt like this is such a crucial point. It was uh, worthy of that time. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Christ came to keep the law on the passing side. When he lived on this earth, he kept every item of old law. There was Never one who kept all the Ten Commandments so well as the Lord Jesus did. He kept the law of the old dispensation in a very passive way. Number one. Number two, because he kept the law, so he became the perfect one. His perfection qualified him to die on the cross for us. That is to keep the law in the negative state. All the time we have transgressed the law, but our transgression has been taken care by the Lord's substitutionary death. The number three is substitutionary death brought in the resurrection life. And this resurrection life gets into us to do a wonderful job, the job to complement the law. The resurrection life within us could keep the higher law. The resurrection life within us not only can make us not to murder any people, even not to hate anyone. This resurrection life is much higher than the natural life. This resurrection life is just the divine life, the eternal life. So this highest life within us can do the highest job to keep the highest love. Well, Ron, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. The Lord's fulfillment 
of the law is manifested in these three marvelous aspects that we just heard. Positively, he kept the law. Negatively, his death took care of our situation under the law. And finally, he complemented the law by releasing the resurrection life. What is the effect of these three aspects towards us? The second and the third are directly related to us. And the first is the basis for the second and the third. The Lord himself utterly and completely fulfilled the requirements of the law. So he was truly righteous according to the law. He did what no other human being ever did or ever could do. Because he was absolutely righteous, he was then qualified to die as our substitute. If he had not been, then he could only have died for himself, not for us. But there was no need for him to die for himself because he fulfilled the law and was not under the penalty of the law for those who break it. So because he fulfilled the law, then he could die on the cross as our substitute, dying a vicarious death in our place. We should have been there. We should have died. The wages of sin is death. We belonged there. But the Lord, who did not belong there, went there for us, was made sin for us, bore our sins in his body on the tree, based upon the fact that his keeping the law qualified him to die for those who could not and did not keep the law. Now, and I appreciate this point very much, and this is a real light from the ministry uh, based on the word. In resurrection is where we have the elevating of the law. Actually, the keeping of the law of the kingdom is only possible in the resurrection life of Christ. So based upon his keeping the law, he could die for us who did not. When he died, he released the resurrection life. And in this resurrection life and with this resurrection life, we have the real elevation of the law and the capacity to keep it. So now we have the Lord's word outwardly in these chapters in Matthew, declaring the requirements of the kingdom. We may say this elevation through these requirements is something in resurrection. But especially crucial is the fact that only by the resurrection life of Christ in us, received through regeneration, can we fulfill the righteous requirements of the law of the kingdom of the heavens. So this is altogether in a realm of resurrection which is a realm of life, an organic realm. And we need to realize the reality of the kingdom is here and the life that keeps the requirements of the kingdom, the resurrection life, is also here. This is a marvelous light that requires and merits and deserves very careful and thorough prayerful study of the word and of the interpretation of the word through the life study. Ron, I had the same feeling 
Actually, I used this phrase in the question that I asked you. He complimented the law by releasing the resurrection life, but I don't want to take credit for it because I took it right out of the ministry. It was so impressive to me at the time, and I appreciate you had the same response to it uh, in your sharing just now. We're at the heart of the matter here. If we stay in a natural or in a physical realm, try by our natural life to fulfill these requirements, it's impossible. But if we agree with the requirements given in resurrection and recognize only by the life in resurrection can we fulfill them, we will be ushered into a new and higher plane of spiritual existence called the reality of the kingdom. We have one very, very short section left today. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Christ says strongly, if you would break the law and teach others to break it, you'll become the least, the smallest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you are going to be great, you must have the highest standard of morality. The standard of morality in the kingdom of the heavens must be so high. The highest life has the highest expression. We are not only moral people, we are the kingdom people. The standard of the kingdom is much higher than the standard of morality. So we must keep the law. Not by the old way to keep all out. That's too low. That the most could only come up to the standard of morality, not to the standard of the kingdom. The standard of morality says, I for I, peace for peace. But the standard of the kingdom says, you have to love not only those who love you, but all those this standard is much higher than that of morality. This is the crucial point that Christ was passing. In chapter 5, from verse 17 to 10. Well, Ron, we literally have just one minute. I hate to limit you to that, but if you would please elaborate on this understanding, that at this point in Matthew 5, the Lord was not presenting just a standard for moral people, but rather he was presenting a standard for kingdom people. Exactly. A standard for moral people is something outward, something natural, something merely in the human realm, uh, in human society, for human beings to carry out by human effort. The Lord is talking not about a refined ethical or moral life in that sense. His concern is with living in the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom in and with the divine life. And he wants to have his disciples and his brothers born of him to live in this realm where he lives. And this realm of the kingdom has a much higher law and a much higher reality because this is the realm of the highest expression because it's the realm of the highest life. So we have to switch our focus from mere morality to kingdom and realize we're called to live in a higher realm. That higher realm has a higher morality. That higher morality is embodied in higher commandments. 
And those higher commandments are fulfilled by a higher life, even the highest life, the life of God and the life which is God in us. Ron, how about uh, we conclude today with his recommendation for that prayer that uh, he exhorted us? That is quite wonderful to pray under this enlightenment that the Lord would uplift our being and our living into the realm of the kingdom with the highest morality, expressing the highest life, fulfilling the highest requirements of the highest law. We are uh, out of time totally. Let me just leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to call us. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.